Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine. Let light shine out of darkness, it says in 2 Corinthians. Ephesians 5.8 says, we are to live as children of the light. 1 Thessalonians 5.5 5 says, you are all children of the light. So we're called to be a light of hope, especially to those who are around us who are struggling. And I know we know many. We don't even have to look very far. Uh, neighborhood, family, circle of friends, people at church, there's marriage difficulties, there's sicknesses, there's financial strain, there's damaged relationships, um, and there's lots of darkness around us in the world. And God really wants us to be uh, people of hope and light, and we need to figure out how to best um, approach somebody and confront them lovingly and do it in a way that is empowering to them. And my I guess this hour, Dr. Glenn Pickering is back with us for the full hour, and phone lines are open and text line is open for questions, but we're going to talk about becoming a light of hope, and we're going to sort of pick up where we left off um, with George Fraser in the last half hour, because he was mentioning something about hope, and it made Glenn all excited, and I wanted Glenn to <laughs> make a comment on that, but uh, Dr. Glenn Pickering, welcome back. Thank you. It's always fun to be here, both Thank times. Thank you. Yeah, so, really nice. Um, one of the things George said, which kind of... Uh, segued into something uh, we talked about at the first half of the first half hour um, was I was talking about how if I want to be a light of hope, if a person shares a struggle, I want to do three things. I want to listen, make sure I get it. I want to share a similar experience I've had very briefly so they can tell I get it. And then instead of stopping there, like, oh, you're right, that's terrible, that's awful, there's playing team tag about how terrible everything is, that's not helpful. That doesn't make me the light. That actually brings more darkness. Because it's hopeless. And I just think, and the enemy wants us to be hopeless. Because then what do we do? Nothing. What do we do for the kingdom if I'm hopeless? Nothing. Well, guess. Who mm-hmm. wins that game? So um, so it's important to understand, yep, so I listen carefully. I let them know I get it by sharing a short example. And then the third step is to ask a question. Boy, that's really tough. I totally get it. Been in a situation like that myself many times. What do you see as your first step? What's something you could do differently? How can I support you? What could me and you do to make a difference? Any question like that then makes it helps us go from just plain team tag, like, yep, you're right, that's terrible. It's always going to be terrible. Think, no, to really help the person think, well, what is my next step? And that is where hope starts. See, if I don't think there is a next step, there's no hope. But as soon as I ask myself, okay, what's my first step? That's super helpful. And it's so helpful. See, if somebody says to me, Glenn, I'm having a hard time, I got to listen, I let them know I get it, come share an example, and then I got to ask a question like that. Now, notice, it's not my job to answer that question. That's the second mistake I said in the first half of the show about how our first mistake is we play team tag and we just agree with them that things are terrible. Well, the second thing is we want to give them our answer to whatever struggle they're having, which, of course, is super not helpful. But by instead, by listening, sharing an example, and asking a question, hey, what's kind of your first step and how can I support you in that? 
I take myself out of thinking I'm supposed to be the expert who knows everything, which is never helpful anyway, and really helps that person think, what's my answer? What's my next step? Now, the thing that got me all excited when George was talking, he talked about if you're dealing with people who have addiction or honestly any other struggle, he talked about needing to lovingly confront them. And I think, right. See, the reason I got excited is because that question, that third step, that's what lovingly confronting somebody looks like. I think all too often when we think about confrontation, we think sort of a battle, me against you, I'm going to force you to see it my way. Well, I can tell you the exact probability of that being helpful. Like, it will never be helpful. But instead of just ask that question, okay, oh, man, that is tough. I really feel for you. What, what's your first step out of, you know, how can I help you? How can I support you? How could you get help? Who could be helpful to us in this? Who could we reach out to? Anything that gets them thinking, yeah, what can I do? Instead of just staying stuck in that bleakness. That's what lovingly confronting somebody looks like. So when we say we have to lovingly confront somebody, people nod their head and think, "Uh uh-huh, but they don't know what that means. That question is what that means. And that's also how we help people have hope for their life instead of being hopeless, because that question implies things could be different. So I was excited about that when George was talking Uh, about it. That's outstanding. I just love that. Another uh, listener said, hey, Bill and Glenn, don't you guys think we should all... Just get outside and exercise more. Exercise increases endorphin levels. Fresh air and sunlight surely does something positive too, right? But how do we get others to see this? Is it, is it bad to make suggestions like this, like saying, hey, I love you. This is what works for me. Do you want to join me for a bike ride sometime? Yeah, you could sure ask that. Brilliant. It's important to remember that's a, that's, I'm almost trying to tell them what their answer is. And one of the things we talked about in the first half of the show is about how... Um, all of us, if we want to be a light in this time of such bleakness, when we ourselves might be feeling like we really struggle, we need to make sure we do the things that build us up. Prayer time, listening to Christian music, or in his case, going for a walk, being outside, doing exercise, riding a bike. It's important to remember my way of doing that might be not the same as your way. So if I say, how can I get people to see the importance of exercise to be healthy? That's a, kind of an interesting question, but a more helpful question is, how can I help people think about what helps them keep healthy and encourage them to do that? Otherwise, I'm just still trying to give them my answer, which probably isn't their answer. Now, <laughs> the great thing about just saying, hey, I'm going on a bike ride, you can sure join me, that's nice, because I'm not trying to force my answer on them, I'm just giving them an option. That's nice. All right, so let's... Um just continue to keep the phone lines open if you've got a question, uh, 877-933-2484, or you can send a text. And you can always, of course, remain anonymous, whether you call or text. I'll ask the question on your behalf, uh, being salt and light. Um, Glenn, a uh, listener is wondering that maybe uh, maybe she has uh, lost her salt. She doesn't feel mm-hmm. it anymore. Right. Um, and... Christ says you can't get that salt back once it's lost. So if I feel like I've lost it... Is there any hope of getting it back? Um, yes. In fact, I think that's actually a misunderstanding of what Jesus was saying. It's interesting in Mark. I, I just read in this great commentary, this person who like knows the book of Mark inside and out has written some great stuff about it. He said, Mark just tends to gather together things around a certain theme or a certain word. So in that passage of Mark, there are four sentences that have something to do with salt. But, the, but they were trying to understand. But those are all separate sentences. Because Mark puts them together, because they're all sort of about the same topic, we assume that all those sentences go together, but they don't. Those are just four thoughts Mark has about the word salt. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> and he just groups them like that because that's how he thinks. So if if we take those sentences, instead of thinking they're all one part, let's take them apart, we need to think, okay, you are the salt of the earth. Yes. But what good is salt if it's lost its salt? None. That's a thought all by itself. Just like Jesus said, you're the light on the hill. What's what good does it do to put a light under a bushel basket? That doesn't make any sense, right? And it's supposed to make the listener think, oh, yeah, that's right. I need to claim my light. I need to be that light. Wait. So that first sentence there, when Mark's talking about salt, he's just trying to say, hey, you are called to be the salt of the earth. So you need to make sure that you keep doing the things that keep you grounded, that keep your salt going. So that's what we've been talking about for you. It might be prayer, listening to Christian music. For me, that's super helpful. Going to worship with a bunch of other people who are all singing along with me, which always just inspires me. Prayer, reading my Bible, being in the woods. Whatever it is that brings you back, it's just important to make sure you keep doing it. Because here's what I see in the gospel all the time. If you read big parts of the gospel at one time, and not just sort of little bits that we might hear in church here and there, what you notice is that thing I've talked about often on the show is that how I'm always struck by this. Every story that has Jesus in it ends the same way. He leaves. He goes out to a quiet place to pray. Or him and the disciples go into a lonely village and they're quiet. Or him and the disciples and the women who care for them all go off somewhere for a quiet while. And oftentimes the next story starts by saying, and it was during those days. Hmm. So we're not talking about a 20-minute power nap. We're talking about Jesus does the things to get filled up with God's love, goes out there, gives it all away, comes back in and get filled up. So if you read that salt sentence, understanding each of those sentences stands on its own, we realize what Jesus is really saying is you are the salt of the earth, we, just like we're the light of God. And in order to maintain that, we can't be on all the time. We have to do the things that fill us up so that when it's time to be the light of the earth, we're ready to do that. When it's time to be that salt, we're ready to do that. And we really, really, especially in these difficult times, make, just need to make sure we're doing the things that keep us centered. I love it. Another listener, Glenn, said, how do I be salt when surrounded by people who are totally opposed to Jesus and the gospel? A little hostility there Well, that we're out in the world. Yes, and I have run into that plenty of times myself as a Christian counselor, and so I, I don't disagree that it happens. But here's what I've noticed over and over again. In fact, I was just talking to a client about this today who would say they were a non-believer but wanted to know everything I was teaching them about God. Mostly what I find is people are not actually opposed to God or the message of Jesus. They're just opposed to the way that people have been sort of hitting them over the head about it. <laughs> like, you have to agree with me. Well... So I just lost my free will. Mm. I just really get, that's not what evangelism looks like. Evangelism evangelism looks like, I just talk to people, whether they're believers or not, about things God teaches me along the way, about how I experience God's presence, about the things that help me stay in touch with God's love for me, about how important I think it is to share God's love with one another. I don't beat anybody over the head about it. I just tell my story, always. Then people are like, huh, well, how does that work exactly? And then I think, oh, okay. So you said you were an atheist, <laughs> but as soon as I didn't hammer you about it, but just told you my story, you kind of want to know how that works for me. I think, okay. So if I'm surrounded by people who say they don't want to hear about it, I'm not going to beat them up about it, and I'm not going to say, no, you have to agree, like I'm going to fight with them about it. But I am going to just keep telling my story about how God has helped my life, about what I learned in my prayer time today, about a really cool, miraculous thing that happened that God put in my life. And I'm just going to keep gently talking about that mm-hmm. without forcing it. Because nobody comes to Christ by force. Nobody. 
something I heard you just say, Glenn, which I love, is when you tell your story. Right. And the minute I heard that, I thought, well, how often do you tell your story? Right. Because the more you tell your story, I bet the better you are at making it succinct and impact and right. powerful. Right. And if you never tell it, you might just be on a long rambling <laughs> shaggy dog true. story that, yes. you know, might bore people. But right. if you tell people what God has done in your life and keep right. it succinct, right. they're going to go, tell me more. Right. That sounds so interesting. How did it that does. ever happen? Right. Yeah. So I just need to understand. And Jesus understood this perfectly. If you asked Jesus what his job was, I think he would have said, I'm a storyteller. Everywhere he goes, what does he do? He tells stories. On the surface, of course. Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> and um, and he, which makes the listener think, huh? I don't know more about that story. You know yeah. what I mean? He, he doesn't the savior of the world. Anybody? Yeah. They ask him questions. He just says, "Well, here's how it seems to me. Here's what I've learned. Here's what makes sense to me." Yeah. And you're free to listen or not listen. Come or don't come. Tell your neighbors. Keep it to yourself. The rich young ruler walks away, and it's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let me take a little break. Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest. You can go to glennpickering.com. That's Glenn with two N's, G-L-E-N-N-P-I-C-K-E-R-I-N-G.com. Yeah, he has this wonderful offer. Still good, Glenn? Yeah, absolutely. About halfway down the page, there is an invitation for you to um, sign up, email him, say, um, I'd like a free 20-minute consultation with you. And there's no strings attached. And right. um, you're going to get a lot from Glenn in 20 minutes, trust me. So... Uh, glennpickering.com. We'll take a short break and we'll continue back with more um, being the light of the world. If you have questions or comments, you can send them to me at 877-933-2484. Be right back. Get your troubles and just get happy. You better chase all your cares away. Sing hallelujah. Come on, get happy. Get ready for the judgment. Day. Welcome back to the show. Dr. The ben Pickering is, is my guest. We're talking about the light of hope. How to become that. Let your light shine. And how do you uh, go out into this angry, hurting world with so much division and continue to just be salt and light? And Glenn says, tell our story. Tell it well. Uh, do not confront people in an unloving way. And Glenn, I think your strategy for doing that is really uh, tremendous. Right. And it's, it's the only thing that works. It's the I only promise thing that works. You, I get you that. could ask anybody, when did your faith start? And they're going to tell you that somebody told them their story. And it made sense to them. It doesn't because somebody quoted them the right Bible verse or hit them over the head with their Bible and made them say the prayer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nobody said, I've had a powerful faith life ever since then. No. A powerful faith life because somebody who was walking the faith talked about their experiences and that listener thought, wow, I want that. That's what I want. Mm-hmm. And I just think, so anyway, I just think it's important. Even when, for example, like we're talking about how to be light with somebody who's struggling. I listen, I share a simple example from my life where I've had a similar experience and then I ask a question. How can I help? What's your first step? Because here's what really matters. If we really get that we are called to be the salt, we are called to be the light of the earth, and that we have to be prayed up and ready to do that, we understand, wow, I don't do that by lecturing. They say something that I listen to. I share an example from my own life so they can tell I get it. And then I ask them how I can help or what mm-hmm. their first step is. But first they have to know I get it. 
But not to embellish that story. You don't want oh, to be I listening know. autobiographically. And see, that's what I'm thinking too. And that's, you go on and on about yep. your experience. Yep. I and then you're wanna, not caring about them. Exactly. I always want to caution people. I, and here's how I think about it. I want to share my story in one paragraph. Yeah, I know what you mean. Back when my wife and I were first married and we were struggling financially, we really, there were days we hardly could sleep because we were so worried about money. I totally get that. Don't. Mm-hmm. So I want to tell my story in a paragraph if I can. If I don't say enough about it, if I just say, oh, I know what you mean, they're thinking, no, you don't. But if I go on and on about it, I, we just went from, hey, I'm trying to listen to you and be helpful to, I just took over the conversation and now it's all about me. So I think somewhere between there, two or three sentences, one paragraph, where I let them know I get it, here's why I get it, and then I hand the conversation back to them. So how can I help? What's your next step? How can I be there for you? So I very clearly say, I'm not taking over this conversation, I'm handing it back to you, and I'm expecting you to do something that will transform your life. Now, you can see why this sometimes loses your friends, because some people don't want to transform their life, they just want me to agree that their life is terrible and awful and there's no hope for them. That's See, where they're comfortable. I know, and I don't want to be that person, and which is why I don't have any friends. But um, that's okay. Just kidding. Yeah, that's. I think it's it's important to understand. Some people really do just want to talk to me and complain, and I'm always going to ask them. Well, you know, what's your first step? What's your half of that? How can you change your half? And the people who are coming to me because they really want help, they're going to think that's a great question. The people who aren't coming to me for help who just want to complain, they're going to find that irritating. But let's be honest. They weren't coming to me for help anyway. So mm-hmm. not like I lost them. I never had them. They yeah. really just wanted somebody to complain to. And I don't want to be that person because that's not the light. So I'm going to ask that loving question. Now, I think this all the time. If you notice any of the call narratives, any of the stories where God or an angel comes down to an earth and calls somebody to go do some mighty work, first they reassure the person, hey, I get it. I'm with you. And God literally says, be not anxious. I'm with you. So, I get it, I'm with you, you're not alone. Empathy. Then God says, so here's what I want you to go do. (laughs) So it's not just I understand, and that's the end of the story. It's I understand, and I believe in you, so what are you going to do? And I just think, if you read any of those call narratives, it's like, wow, so God says, I'm with you, I'm part of your life, I care about you, and I challenge you to move boldly forward in some way. Remembering mostly moving boldly forward just means taking some step in any positive direction. I, uh, I tell my clients a lot that I think this all the time, that God is always saying two things to me. Glenn, I love you exactly as you are, and I insist that you change. And I just think it seems inconsistent, but I think, no, that's, that's what any loving parent would think. I look at my kid and think, man, I love you so much. You don't have to do anything. I already do. Love you like crazy. But I would want for your sake to keep learning, keep growing, keep being transformed, keep maturing, keep getting deeper in your faith. And so God is always saying to us, I totally understand. And I insist that you change. So we need to be that person if we're going to be the light of hope. First, we need to let people know, I listened, I shared an example. So when I say I get it and I'm with you, they can tell that that's really true. And then I'm going to ask, so what are you going to do? I like that. Another listener said, Glenn, what if I don't get it or have not had a similar experience? Here's the really cool thing. I've done this with seminars all over the place. I have people pair up and I say, person A is going to tell about a struggle they're having right now for just a minute. Person B is going to listen, ask questions, make sure they get it. And that's their job to share a similar struggle that they've had sometime in their life or that they could say that they could have sometime in their life. And I could send 100 couples off to do that, 100 pairs of people. And when they come back, I'm going to ask, 
How many of you were able to come up or think of a single struggle you've had? And every single time, every single person raises their hand because I'm a genius. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> because because we're all on a similar journey. We're right. all going to have similar struggles. What's my purpose here? What's my calling? How do I know what that calling is? How do I get past the fear of that? What do I do with rejection? How come I feel so alone? I mean, we have very, very similar struggles. So it's important to understand. Don't ask yourself, oh, my gosh, what if I have a similar struggle? See, that blocks your brain from thinking. Because now you're on a yes-no question. Friend of yours is talking about a struggle. I want you to be thinking, okay, what's a similar struggle I've had? I want you to start with the assumption that you've had a similar struggle. And I promise you, your brain will give you at least three or four similar times that, that you've uh, similar experiences that you've had, probably recently. So don't stop with a yes-no question. That messes up your brain. Mm-hmm. I could even add something onto that because yeah, I, I speak uh, every week to a group of people recovering from drugs and alcohol, uh-huh. and I've never used drugs or alcohol. Right. And I let them know that. I mean, right. I, yep. I occasionally Absolutely. will bring up the fact that I, it's not, I don't struggle with ad- addiction like that, but I, uh-huh. I have a lot in common with you because mm-hmm. I know what it's like to be poor, blind, naked, wretched, and in need of a Savior, Right. which is all of us. Exactly. Right. So, I know what it's like to be depressed. I know what it's like to um, have all kinds of feelings of exactly right so often my clients will say to me clement you really get me it's like you've lived my life and i think we've all lived life and we've had very similar struggles very similar victories very similar hard things we've had to overcome the details of course will always be different but the fundamental struggles and learnings that we're going through in this life will be very very similar I like. All right, Glenn. Um, Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest. If you have a question or comment, let us know. You can call and talk to us, or you can send a text, 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-FAITH. If George was talking about, uh, when we were talking about the the recovery, Mm -hmm. um, always needs to be better than you're using, right. and when you are um, connecting to people on any level to give them uh, a story of hope and and something positive is always going to make a difference, isn't it? Right, absolutely. And here's the interesting thing. There's no such thing as a blessing that doesn't go in both directions. So if I that's reach so out true. to somebody else in a way that's helpful to them and blesses them, I promise it would be a huge blessing to me to be, have been a part of that conversation. Yeah. So we're going to take a little break, but when we come back, uh, we're going to have lots more with Dr. Glenn Pickering. And if you go to his website, glennpickering.com, you can uh, see his resources and all the services. He's a counselor and can meet with you or uh, a couple's counseling as well. But he also um, has got a wonderful offer about midway through the first page where you can connect with him for 20 minutes because obviously we have listeners all over the country. And if you obviously can't go to his office, but you can call him and he'll set set up a time to talk for 20 minutes and if you know Glenn, and I do, he's, uh, you can get a lot out of him in 20 minutes, believe me. So he'll get you quickly. You won't have to explain much about what's going on in your life. He'll, he'll sense it. He'll get it. So go to glennpickering.com. We'll be right back.
Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest. If you have questions, we're absolutely open to taking them. You can call in and talk to Glenn, or you can text, and I'll ask the question on your behalf. 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. We are uh, talking today about becoming a light of hope. And, you know, Glenn, if the hope kind of goes away or if the hope diminishes or maybe you don't have confidence that the hope is is there and you go back and forth, maybe I'm good, not good enough for God. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, you start having these second questions and doubts. And right. I, I want you to say encouraging words to uh, that listener. Great. Super. Thank you. Um, we all have doubts. It's really important to hear this. Nobody doesn't. Here's what I mean. Every call narrative in the scriptures, what I was talking about before, God or an angel comes down to earth, calls him to go do some mighty work. The first thing they do is tell God why they can't do it. <laughs> Always. Every, there are six parts of every one of those call narrative stories. Mm-hmm. First God calls somebody, then they tell God why they can't do it. Because they think they have to do it by themselves, and they think, I'm not good enough. Now, here's the tricky part of that. We can't do it by ourselves, and we're not good enough. God doesn't pick me because I'm good enough. I'm not. I'm just a person. And I'm not going to do that calling by myself either because I'm just a person. So it's so helpful for me to understand when I read those call narratives. Every single person God has ever called, their first thought was, I'm not good enough. I can't do it. So it's important to think, hey, don't judge yourself for that thought. Don't feel bad about that thought. Every single biblical character had exactly that same thought. I can't do it. I'm not good enough. Which is why then God says, okay, but I'm going to be with you. So here's what I would ask for anybody who feels like maybe they're not good enough or they're never going to be good enough. I'd ask that you do this very, very specific prayer. Where instead of praying the way you usually pray, maybe about your day or what you need, I want you to just basically say these same two sentences gently to yourself over and over again. I'm your precious child. Thank you. I'm your precious child. Thank you. Just say that prayer gently to yourself. Spend a few minutes every day doing it a few times every day. So every day in your prayer time, surrounded by God's loving presence, you're just saying, God, I know I'm your precious, I am your precious child. Thank you. So it just starts to sort of soak in what's true about who we are and what our character is. And our character is that we're beloved by God. Doesn't have anything to do with our performance, just like how a parent feels about their kid. Doesn't have anything to do with their performance of their kid. It's like, I just love you like crazy. I look at you and my heart breaks. I love you so much. Okay. So when I'm in prayer, I'm not really talking much. I just say those gentle things to myself. God, I am your precious child. Thank you for that. I am your precious child. Thank you for that. Just let those, just keep saying those words gently to yourself. Don't think them. Say them to yourself because that's the only way they actually soak in. So you literally hear yourself saying those words gently. And I promise you it'll be a powerful experience for you. I feel like i got to lay down right now. <laughs> yeah, me too. Okay, so, hey. Is there a cot around here I can lay on and you can keep talking that way? <laughs> All right, Glenn, let's talk, ba- let's remind listeners or, or go back to when people are struggling. Just r- right. remind and let people know what our job is and what our job is not. Right, thank you. So, two things I said right at the top of our show um, were that the two mistakes we're likely to make because we're likely to play team tag. So, somebody's in a struggle 
And I try to show them that I get it by saying, you're right, that's terrible, that's awful, I've had that experience, it's awful. Mm -hmm. And that's super not helpful because that just leaves a person feeling helpless like or hopeless. Like, wow, that just really is how it is. That's not the message I want to send. That's not what being a light of hope looks like. The other mistake we're likely to make as a person close to us who's struggling is we think, oh, well, just do this. We want to fix it for them. We want to take charge of their life. We want to tell them what to do. We want to give them our answer. But here's what I know never works. My answer for my life is never going to be your answer for your life. It will be unique to you. Just like if you, if you ask a thousand people to tell you the story about how they, how they came to Christ, you'll notice every single person has their story. And it's a different story. There are overall themes for sure, but every story is different, which means that what it takes for you to feel centered or calm or peaceful or cared about will be unique to you. Now, so it's important to think, so it's not my job to give them the answer. It's my job to listen, give them a short summary to show that I get it, and then ask them, so what are you going to do? What's your first step? How, how can you change? What's your half of that struggle? And how could you do your part differently? Not because I'm trying to be right or prove a point or be a jerk, but I just want to help them think clearly, yeah, what is my next step? Because that's what hope looks like, to just think there is a next step. Things really could be better. I um, I... I've been through so much in my own life, and um, and I think part of why I'm always so helpful to my clients is I literally know that their life could be better. I've been through my own version of hell a number of different times, and um, and I know every single one of those times, no matter how bleak it seemed and no matter how difficult it was, I always got transformed into something amazing in the end. And so I'm just so utterly sure about that that I just know by asking people that question, what's your first tip? How could you start? How could I help you? I don't ask that thinking, oh, gosh, I hope there's a way. I think, no, I know there's a way you could do your part differently. It has to be true. Or I could just keep doing the same thing I always done and keep getting, you know, same results I always got. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when friends come to you, though, you, you sort of have this feeling like, I really want to be helpful. Right, absolutely. And and maybe maybe I have some wisdom and knowledge that I can right. give, and they'll go, oh, that's such great advice, or that was really helpful, and that's kind of would make you feel good. Right, now, and here's where that's actually appropriate. <clears throat> Let's say a person says to me, Glenn, I'm really struggling, so I listen, that's step one. <laughs> step two, I share a similar example. Like, yep, I've been in a place like that, and I could tell my two or three sentences about that. If they say to me, well, what did you do? Or what did I teach you? Then I'm going to share that because they asked me. But if they tell me their trouble and I say, well, here's what you should do. See, they're just going to feel like, well, I just think, we all hate this. When somebody gives me an answer for which there's no question. (laughs) Right. That's really, really annoying. So it's important not to do that. But if they ask me, so Glenn, what did you do? How did you handle that? What did you learn? I'm always glad to share that. Again, and I'm not even saying that's what you should do. I'm just saying, here's what I learned. Here's what I did. Here's what I found helpful. Mm-hmm. What if you've taken that step, addressing the issue, and nothing mm-hmm. changes? Well, or maybe things get worse. Well, what's next? They might. <laughs> that's one of the possibilities. But here's what I know. If I give my clients a homework assignment, one of three things are going to happen. They're going to come back and tell me they didn't do it. That's a bummer. They're going to come back and say, Glenn, I did it, and it went great. I think, okay, cool. What did it teach you? Or they're going to come back and say, Glenn, I tried to do it. I did it a few times. It didn't go great. I'm going to say, great. What got in the way of having it go better? What, what was the struggle you experienced? So um, 
And all of that is still helpful. It still moves us forward. So even if I listen to somebody and they say, okay, I'm going to try that, and they try that and it doesn't work great, I still think, yeah, but see, there was still a lesson in thinking about why didn't it work great, and I'm still going to ask that same question. I got it. I totally understand. So how maybe could you have done that differently? What does that kind of show you? How might you want to kind of come back to that in a slightly different sort of way? There's still a lesson there. There's still a next step, and we need to figure out what that is. And even if I give my clients a homework assignment and they do it but it doesn't go great, I'm still thinking, okay, good. And I try not to say that out loud because it would look bad. But what I know is this. There's only three ways to get better at something. Practice, practice, and more practice. So basically, right. I went home, and I tried that, and I practiced it. I think, wait, you're on the way to getting better at that. And even if they say, yeah, but it didn't go very well, I say, I don't even care. My little 18-year-old, 18-month-old granddaughter is walking around. First, she pulls herself up on the couch and then falls down, and then takes the steps and falls down. And she can say, oh, Grandpa, I'm a failure. I fell down. And I think, keep going. You're doing great. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You're trying. You're doing stuff. This is going to work. You know what I mean? It's like, so even if people say, well, it went worse, I think, well, it went different. <laughs> but it didn't actually go worse. It just went different. Mm-hmm. All right, Glenn, I'd like to address this question. It's kind yeah. of a biggie. Will yeah. you speak to maintaining a balance between uh, being the light of, the, of hope and walking right. away from controlling people? Yeah, I wanted to come back I, to that question. I've so got thank a, you for bringing that up. I've yep. got a little bit more to the question. Yep, if great. I can just uh, yeah, go. let people hear. Yep. I tried to be the family glue in a messy uh, debacle that involves my elderly parents and a very controlling brother and his wife. My repeated attempts to encourage reconciliation have been met with uh, pharisaical justifications. I'm a peacemaker and a positive person, but emotionally I can no longer afford to be the pickle in the middle. I feel my family is beyond hope because of pure deception and self-righteous pride. I have owned my part and detached myself from the situation and unfortunately had to walk away from the instigators. My hope is in the Lord. I continue to pray that God will bless my family of origin and give them what they need. Yeah, that's a great question. There's a lot of different parts to it, so let me kind of take it one step at a time if I can. First, let's say I'm in that pickle in the middle spot, and I have people in my family who are warring with each other, and they're going to want to come and tell me their part of the story and why the other person is terrible. I get that. But I also get every bad relationship is 50-50. We're both doing something that makes that relationship not going right. So I'm going to, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to listen carefully. I'm going to say, yep. I've had actually some of those same experiences with that person, so I know it's kind of frustrating. But, um, but then I'm going to say, so kind of what's your next step? How could you do it differently? How could you do your part differently? And if they say, there's nothing I'm doing wrong, they just have to change, then I know I'm talking to somebody who's not interested in transformation. And my questions are not going to be helpful to them. Mm. So if I hear that answer, oh, that's just their problem, there's nothing I do wrong, I'm going to say, uh-huh, I, I get that. I get that that's how it seems. I would encourage you, though, to give this some thought. Not right now, in your prayerful time, to just ask yourself, huh, if you were in just some quiet prayer time, and instead of kind of making them the bad one, you just really ask God, God, what can I do differently in that situation? I'm pretty sure God's going to put a word or a sentence or a picture on your heart. And I just, I would urge you to listen to that, whatever it is. I'm not pretending I know the answer, but I know what the process of getting to the answer looks like. And it's about coming to God and being open. What could I do differently? Because as, as long as we're just answering, talking to ourselves about how bad the other person is, we never come up with a solution because God doesn't answer that question. Mm-hmm. All right, there's another question. Thank you for that answer, Glenn. Yep. Um, it sounds like this person is working in a dysfunctional family 
perhaps business. My okay. role as production manager is one that shields and buffers the crew supervisors and staff from the dysfunction of the family and its leadership. Mm. So he sounds like he's running interference, right. he or she. Yep. It seems that in walking that line every day, I inevitably bring the stress of that home as well as the sincere desire for Christ to transform the family and crew. Right. After 10 years, it's impacted who I am. Right. My wife is amazing, but sometimes is at a loss for how to support me through right. the challenges of navigating this family and also uh, it's signing my paycheck. Right. So here's what here's why the wife is struggling. If I'm the husband and I come home and every day I say, hey, honey, I ate pepperoni pizza today and it made me sick and I threw up. I come home tomorrow and I say, hey, today for lunch I had pepperoni pizza and it made me throw up. I come home 100 days in a row and tell her that I had pepperoni pizza for lunch and it made me throw up. She's going to start thinking, huh, I feel for you. Don't want to be a jerk. <laughs> but Glenn, you keep doing this thing try the you know pizza. makes you throw up. Yeah. <laughs> for 10 years, honey, you've been doing this role at work that makes you want to throw up. Instead of keeping doing it more, asking yourself, why isn't this working, or telling yourself it should be working, or even telling yourself that um, you're kind of a saint because you're trying to make it work, I mean, I would just gently ask you, if you're going to have something different for lunch, what would it look like? How could your role there be different and not a little different? See, I think, hmm, this sounds funny, but I'm always struck by this. So, you know, they, they show Jesus around the temple and they ask him, you know, what do you think, basically? And he thinks, they think he's going to say, you know, most of it's magnificent, it's really great. I think we should repaint this wall over here a little different color. And he said, tell you what, tear the whole thing down. <laughs> Three days I'll build a new one, which was shocking to those people, of course. But again, so he's just trying to tell a story. And the story means this. I'm not interested in tweaking your life. I'm interested in transforming your life. Which is why if a friend comes to me with a struggle, I'm going to listen, I'm going to make sure I get it, I'm going to do a summary, I'm going to ask a question like, how could that be different? What could you do differently? Because God's not interested in me continuing in my ways as I am. God's always saying to me, Glenn, I love you as you are, and I insist that you change. So it's our job to always be choosing transformation for ourselves and others. So let's say I am that person who works at that company. I'm going to do kind of what I was just talking about a second ago. I'm going to go home and I'm going to say to God, okay. Help me see what my part of this is and help me see how I could do my part differently. And I mean it. God will put a word or a phrase or a sentence or a picture or a person or a resource on my mind or bring that into my life in the next day or two. And I think, oh, okay. And I have to have faith that if I'm willing to do that, whatever that is, and be faithful to, you know, if I ask God to help me and then God helps me, but I don't follow through on that, then <laughs> that's kind of on me. So. I need to listen. I need to trust what God puts on my heart. And then I need to be willing to do my part way differently, one step at a time. Mm, wonderful. Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest. We're going to take a little break when we come back. I know we've got time for a few more questions. You can send them in the form of a text, or you can call and get on the program and ask Glenn yourself. That number is 877 877-933-2484.
Welcome back to the show. Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest. We've been talking the whole hour about becoming a light of hope and trying to be a light of hope for people who are struggling. Uh, Glenn, maybe the, the question is, on the minds of some, many, is what happens when the person struggling is me? <laughs> now, and it's important to remember that's not an if question. Well, what if that's true? I think, well, of course it's going to be true. Every single day that will be true. We need to remember that. When um, George was on for that half an hour in between there talking about recovery, he talked about how dangerous it is, how dangerous it is to think, oh, I got this. He said, right, that's literally the first step towards relapse. So we need to keep remembering we don't got it. <laughs> and and we're not helping people like we said at the top of the hour because we're better or we're special or we don't have those problems. We're helping people because we have all the same struggles and they need to know that and we need to know it and not try and pretend that it's not true. So let's say I have a struggle in my life and it's keeping me from being the light of hope for other people. Then I need to do with God in my prayer time exactly what I want to do with other people if I'm talking to them. I come before God, just like in the Psalms, and I just lay it all out. What I'm happy about, what I'm mad about, what I'm hurt about, what I'm frustrated about. I don't pretend I'm not. I don't make it prettier. I don't spin it. I just do just like the psalmists do in all those Psalms. They just lay it out. God, where are you? My life is going like crazy. I have enemies all around me. I mean, they're really clear about claiming the struggle. Okay. So we come before God in our prayer time and we claim our struggle. And God's like, yep. Because when Jesus said the truth shall set you free, I think sometimes people are like, well, I'm afraid to say that to God. I'm afraid to ask God questions. And I think the truth shall set you free. I mean, mm-hmm. I, there's no, that's not negotiable. I mean, you know, I mean, the truth has a way of just powerfully liberating me. So God will hear that and think, uh-huh, yep, got it. And then I'm going to ask God that question. God, help me see what my half of that struggle is. And help me see how I can change my half. Now, you guys have heard me talk before about how in the game of tag, I only ask one question, whose fault is it? But see, if I'm really healthy, I don't ask that question. I ask, what are the patterns that we get into in this relationship? What's my half of that pattern? And how can I change my half of that pattern? I remember early on in my relationship with Gwen, we're going through some hard times. And I was at a retreat center in Mundelein, just outside of Chicago, sitting by the water, saying to God, how do I talk to Gwen about the things she does that really make me unhappy or that really bug me? And I asked that question probably 18 different ways and got zero answer, nothing. And then I realized, I'm asking the wrong question. <laughs> what part of, why do you see the speck in your brother's eye and you don't see the log in your own eye? Glenn, you're not really quite thinking about it. So I said to God, God, help me see my half and how I can change that half. And boy, did the answers of that question flood into me. <laughs> So we just need to remember, we come before God, and this is what humility means. Not like I'm bad, not shameful, like George was talking about, just aware. Hey, half of whatever's going wrong in this relationship is about what I'm doing. God, I just want you to help me see what my half is and help me see what I can do differently. Mm-hmm. And I promise you, you will get answers to those questions faster than you know what to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Glenn, I'd like to start just kind of reviewing okay. uh, as we start to conclude our time. Sure. When we're in a um, opportunity to, to be light to somebody right. and they're struggling yep. and we, we want to listen, right. what if they don't want to talk? And that's what we've always wanted is to have a discussion about something, mm-hmm. but figuring out a way to get them to talk um, or just getting the courage to bring it up keeps people from even getting to step one. Right. That's a really great question. And um, it's actually sort of the same question. Um, well, I'm going to start here, and I'm going to come right back to what you said, I promise. 
So let's say I listen, I share a similar story, and then I ask that person a question. So if you wanted your path to be different, how could you do that? What's your first step? Well, see, that's a pretty bold question. That's not a question most people are likely to hear. It's probably not a question you're used to asking. It will make you uncomfortable. And what I think to myself all the time is, yep, it probably will. And God has always asked me to take one step outside my comfort zone. That's why I said a little earlier that God is always saying to me, Glenn, love you as you are, and it's just that you change. Same thing. So let's say somebody's being quiet and they're not bringing something up. Now, it will be uncomfortable to bring it up. I will literally have to step outside of my comfort zone. But I'm going to start by saying something like, hey, I notice you're not, I notice you seem to kind of gone silent, or if there's something they're doing, I'm worried about it. I'm going to say, here's the thing I see I'm kind of worried about, or here's a concern I'm having, or I'm just going to say something from my perspective. I'm a little worried. I'm a little concerned. I see you kind of went quiet on me. I, you know, I know there's a problem, but I don't see that we talk about it. I'm just going to say that even though it's uncomfortable. And trust me, as introverted as I am, that's uncomfortable. But I just really get, but if we want to be the light, we have to also be growing ourselves. Just like we're trying to be the light to encourage other people to change and be transformed, we have to be willing to be transformed. And asking God for the courage to ask those questions, I promise you, will transform us mm-hmm. first. Yeah. What about if there's a, a mental illness, um, maybe interacting with a bipolar person you can't sure. walk away from? No. And um, how do you reason with folks that don't have the, uh, lack the ability to reason? Well, yeah, you're not necessarily going to reason with them, but I, um, I look, George said something about when he was on talking about real recovery, he said something that just really struck me and it reminded me of a thing a friend of mine told me back when my mom was in the nursing home and I'd visit her each Sunday. And I said to my friend, Linda, who's really smart and used to work in a nursing home, I said, you know, I don't know. I go visit my mom every week. I know we have a nice time when we're together, but I don't know if she, as soon as I leave, if I, if she even remembers that I was there. And she said this powerfully cool thing to me. She said, you know, when you have a real bad dream and then you wake up, you don't remember what the dream was about, but you still feel bad. Or you have a really great dream and you wake up. You might not remember what the dream was about, but you feel great all day. That's what it is with your mom. She loves being with you and it's really fun. And after you leave, she might not, and she still feels great and loved and cared for. She might not remember why she does, but she will feel loved and cared for and precious. Mm-hmm. So it's important to understand, even if I'm talking with a person who maybe I can't logic with them, I'm going to love them. I'm yeah. going to tell them I think they're great. I'm going to hug them when I go. I'm going to tell them I was glad to see them. I'm going to be as caring a friend as I can. And they might not remember any of the words I said, yeah. but they remember feeling good, feeling cared for, feeling loved. And, and I have to think that's my gift to you. Yeah, content retention might not be there, but feel might be there. Feel and will boy, be there. At that stage, right. what else do you right. have, right, Glenn? Exactly. So I just think... Same thing, I used to work in a group home with, where I took care of mentally retarded women. And yeah, I wasn't going to necessarily teach them any big concepts. But I wanted them every day to know I cared about them, I loved them, they mattered to me, I wanted good for them. And I think, and that was, that I believe was my most powerful impact that I had on them, was there was somebody in their life who consistently cared about them. Mm-hmm. So if we do confront people that we care about and we love, Try to get to the point where you're just listening yep. and just letting them talk yep. and keep um, being encouraging in that department. Right. And then if it's appropriate, share a brief example, very yep. brief, yep. from your own life yep. to show that you have the empathy. Right, you get right? it. Right, absolutely. You get it. Yep. And don't embellish that story right. yep. because they don't want it to turn right. into a story about you. Perfect. 
All right. So now you've respectfully given, put up a boundary. Yep. Um, the focus is still you. Yep. And then you ask, and this is the big key, Glenn, yep. is asking a helpful and real question. Right. And yep. Yep. Give helpful, me, like what's one first step? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no, that, you're, you're right on. Go ahead. Here's what I mean by helpful and real. Helpful is like, hey, what, what's your part of it? Not whose fault is it? What's your part? What's your first step? How can I help you? That's helpful and real. So often when we ask questions, they're not real questions. Well, don't you think that if you just, see, that's not a question. And it won't be received as a question. It will be received as what it is, sort of a bossy, controlling, and that's not going to go on. So mm-hmm. I have to ask questions that are really questions. Hey, what's your first step? How can I help? Who could help with us? What's some resources we have here? Like questions that are actually helpful questions and real questions. Well, I'm not even thinking I know the answer. I just know the question. Yeah, that's fantastic. Dr. Glenn Pickering has been my guest. And you can always go over to his website, glennpickering.com. And he's got this wonderful offer that is about midway down the page that if you uh, send in uh, a little form, you can contact him for a, a free 20-minute consultation. And I know there's listeners all over the country that would uh, love to walk into his office, but because you can't do that, you can uh, talk to him on the telephone and he will set up a time. There's no strings attached. I think you would find it to be a, a very powerful 20 minutes because I've known Glenn long enough to know that he can deliver the goods in much less than 20 minutes. Uh, <laughs> you'll be surprised Thanks. how much you will get out of that if uh, you're so moved to do that. And Glenn, thanks for uh, being such a uh, great guest today. Well, thank you for having me. I've always truly, truly loved being on the show. Fantastic. That wraps up our show for the day. We're so close to our end of our year, and our fiscal goal is just so close. So thank you for supporting and, and caring about Faith Radio. Have a great night, everyone, and I will see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.